0: Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I am a big fan of the British murder mystery. So, nothing really heavy or dark, just the classic village mystery where the Lord of the Manor has been found dead under suspicious circumstances. And the local constabulary is just befuddled, so they either call in the big guns from Scotland Yard or just depend upon the famous private detective who happens to be summering in a cottage nearby. That's pretty much the bulk of what I watch on television if I ever get my hands on the remote for myself. But I do have to admit that I always get a bit nervous when it turns out the detectives have to go to the parish church and interview the vicar. For one, the vicar is invariably portrayed as either a hapless kook or a sour grump, and almost as invariably either ends up murdered or being himself the murderer. And it's hard not to take that personally sometimes. But what's worse is that I know, as the detective chief inspector and the sergeant cross the churchyard, that My enjoyment of this mystery is about to be spoiled by the constant interruption and distraction of everything they get wrong about the church and its ministers and its services. I mean, one could think that the BBC could do some research, could actually meet a vicar and and find out that they come in a variety of different personalities. That they could look into what the priest happens to wear at different services. That the stole goes under the chasuble and not over the chasuble. That sermons sound a certain way and services are conducted a certain way and churches are laid out a certain way and decorated differently at certain times of year. Nothing major. And one would think that in England, a country with a national church and a national broadcasting company, that... This would be easy, that they could just get together and figure this out. But it's only on the rarest occasions that I find myself pleasantly surprised to see something that makes me think that at least some of the production team bothered to attend a church service or meet a real vicar before they portrayed them on television. Now this may seem like a silly quibble, But I think it points to a larger reality. And that's that more and more of the people around us have simply never been inside the doors of a church. That they have no idea whatsoever it is that we get up to into. What we say or why we do it or how we look while we do it or what we mean. They just don't know anything about it. I find though that just like the BBC, or perhaps because of the BBC and everyone else who makes movies and television, a big percentage of people think they know all about us. They think they understand everything that happens here. They assume that all ministers are either boring milksops or prudish busybodies or angry hypocrites or something much worse. Many are but not all, I hope, and they assume that we all come here just to feel good about ourselves so that we can be reminded how much better we are than everyone else, that we're just bent on making everyone think and do what we would like them to think and do, and that at the first whiff of doubt or dissent, we'll happily exclude anyone. Some churches are like that, but not all, I hope. And worst of all, they assume that God is the same way. That he's angry and vindictive. That he's just out to get whoever falls out of line. That his love and his care is only for those who are living in a perfect way of supposed righteousness. People that look a certain way or work a certain way or live a certain way or think a certain way or vote a certain way, etc., etc., etc. Some people might worship a God like that. But I certainly don't. Now, the BBC should be expected to do better research. But you can hardly blame the average person. Because we have given them that impression. By our action or or our inaction, by what we've said or what we've left unsaid. By actually doing those things or by not speaking up when other people do them supposedly on our behalf. We have led them to think that way and allowed them to continue to think that way. The church, for many reasons, but I think because in the past it was a way to gain a little power, has often been too happy to portray itself and its people and its God, as more interested in the sort of pious rule-keeping that maintains the status quo than in the grace that turns the world upside down. And I can't speak for everyone, but I think God speaks very clearly for himself, that his primary concern, if not his only concern, is grace. That his forgiveness is enough for everything. That his love is unconditionally for everyone. And that as far as he's concerned, we're all in the same boat, every last one of us. There's no way for him to tell which of us are better or worse, because we're all the same sinner. But that's okay, because he's restoring us all by the same grace. Now, we could have taken God at his word and proclaimed that good news to the world, We could have lived in the joy of that gospel, but instead, we have decided to listen to the voice of the tempter hissing in our ear. Did God really say all that? Could God possibly be trusted to mean all that stuff about grace? Doesn't it make a whole lot more sense if God wants you to prove how good you are, if God wants you to meet a standard, if God wants you to live up to a rule. And we've sat back and said, yes, I guess it does make more sense. I guess God can't be trusted about grace. There must be something he needs me to do to prove that I'm good enough. There must be some way that he needs to judge us all, for us to judge ourselves, some standard by which we can also conveniently judge one another to tell which of us are good and which of us are bad. We have decided to believe that lie, to yield to that temptation which we heard from the garden and from the desert this morning in our reading because it's the only temptation that the devil has, the temptation to take matters into our own hands, to do things our own way. And so we have insisted to live by our own bread alone. And we have insisted to putting our God to the test. And we have insisted on gathering gathering for ourselves power in this world, sometimes shamefully in the name of God, even when it means bowing down before evil. And so if we have done that, or we have at least allowed others to do that in the name of the church, how can we be surprised that those on the outside would rather steer clear of us but i wonder what it would be like if even just for lent we decided to repent of those sins instead of the easiest easy obvious ones we like to repent of those specific sins our puffed up opinions of ourselves and our brazen efforts to be self sufficient and our misrepresentation of God, and our preaching of that false gospel? What if instead, for Lent, we gave up our efforts at being good enough, at trying hard enough, at being better or holier than our neighbor, and instead took on disciplines that trained us in humility, that trained us to receive God's grace, that trained us to live in love among our neighbors as Christ. What if our study during this time of Lent was of God's nourishing word of grace, which is every word that proceeds from his mouth, instead of the dry and poisoned word of judgment that we so often turn his word into? What would it be like in our lives and in our churches after a Lent like that? Would we be able to resolve, to proclaim to hearts and a world bogged down by sin and shame, always and only, the forgiving love of God? To stop our talk of striving and working and being good enough, and instead, Speak only of the free gift of grace in Jesus Christ that abounds for the many, that is more than enough for everyone everywhere. What if we decided to live and speak like that? Perhaps if we did, if we tried to do that, which really only means no longer listening to the lies and instead taking God at his word, if we tried to do that, depending on God's grace to do that, then maybe the people around us, be they the BBC or our own family and friends and neighbors, just maybe, they may be interested in reconsidering their assumptions about what it is we're about here and what we're like <coughs> and who we are. Maybe they might be willing to open their minds and their hearts and see that we are indeed on a different way now. And then just maybe we all together can here and now begin to better receive that abundance of grace and life that God has given us all in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.